Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you that you are a God of mercy, that you are the God who gives what we don't deserve. Uh, thank you so much for your generosity. And uh, we pray that this morning you would be merciful to us again, that our ears and our hearts would be open to hear what you've got to say, that we would rejoice in Jesus and gladly live for him who is risen from the dead. Amen. Well, the day, <clears throat> excuse me, the day I got married was a massive day. It has profoundly changed every day of my life since. Uh, very, very little has been the same. I guess I still tie my own shoelaces. Uh, but even that, every now and again, my children come and they want to undo my shoes for me. The day I got married has changed every day that's come after. Now, have you had a day like that? A day which has changed every other day since. Maybe the day you got that job, or the day you left home. On a sadder note, the day a loved one died. Or, for many of us here, there's the day that we first put our trust in Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Some days, something happens that changes everything else. Now, friends, Christ's resurrection is one such day. Nothing has been the same since that first Easter Sunday morning. Not for Jesus, not for anyone. Like a rock being dropped into a still pond, the ripple effects of Jesus coming back from the dead are still being felt today and will continue to be felt into eternity. The Bible has so much to say about the massive implications of Jesus coming back from the grave, but this morning we're going to limit ourselves just to those opening words in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, where the Apostle Peter spells out some of the ways that Christ's resurrection changes our future as well as changing our present. Because the way that he's changed our future gives us a radically new perspective on life in the here and now. But Peter starts with Christ's resurrection and how it changes our future. So let's have a look. Uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Brothers and sisters, through Christ's resurrection, we've been given a new future. Do you see it there in verse 3? Given a new birth into a living hope. Hope being something that we're looking forward to in the future. And Peter calls our hope a living hope. And he does it for two reasons. First, because it's the hope of life after death. After all, it's, this hope is given to us through Christ's own resurrection from the dead. So it's the sure hope of eternal life, but it's also a living hope in, the, in that this hope greatly affects our lives in the here and now. So it's the hope of eternal life that changes our lives. It's a living hope. Now, when the Bible uses the word hope, uh, it's not the idea of, um, I, I hope it'll rain tomorrow, where hope's just wishful thinking, pie in the sky. No, hope in the Bible is to be sure and certain of the future. And here in verse 3, our hope of eternal life is certain because of who's giving it. Our new future is given to us, in verse 3, by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And since it's he that has given the hope, then we will definitely receive it. If my four-year-old son Alex holds out to you the hope 
over morning tea of buying you a brand new car, please don't hold your breath. Um, but if Rupert Murdoch or Donald Trump or James Packer gave you the hope of a brand new car, well, you know it's at least on the cards because they've got the ability to give you a brand new car. And God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's got the ability to give you eternal life. But our hope of eternal life is not just certain because God can give it, it's ironclad certain because in his great mercy he's already given it. Verse 3, look at it again. In his great mercy he has given us new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, we didn't deserve for Christ to take our sins for us. Our sins deserve punishment, not mercy. And so we didn't deserve for him to be abandoned to death for us. We didn't deserve for Jesus to take God's punishment for us. And we didn't deserve for him to rise from the dead for us. We don't deserve to share in being raised from the grave with him. We don't deserve to be given new life with God. We don't deserve to be born into the family of God. We don't deserve to be made heirs of God in his kingdom. We don't deserve to share in the death or the life of Christ. But in his great mercy, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's already happened for us. God's already given us our new future. And there's more. Because Peter also wants us to know that our new future of eternal life, it's untouchable. Have a look at verse 3 again, halfway through, and look for the way that our salvation, our inheritance, our eternal life is untouchable. Halfway through verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Now breathe that in, brothers and sisters. Our inheritance can never perish, never spoil. It can never fade. The idea behind never perishing is the idea that our inheritance won't decay. It can't go bad. Now, lots of things in life do decay, don't they? They do go bad. I had a friend in primary school uh, who didn't like the sandwiches that his mum made for him for lunch, but he also knew that he wasn't meant to throw them out. So he wanted to do the right thing, so he kept his sandwiches in his suitcase. And the reason I found out was because there came a day when he couldn't close his suitcase because it was so full of black, mouldy, smelly sandwiches. Things in this life go bad. <laughs> they decay. They can be destroyed. Like an inheritance can. Your parents might have an inheritance for you tied up in the stock market, but the market can crash. Your inheritance is gone. This sort of thing will never happen with our inheritance from God. Our salvation will never perish. It'll never be destroyed. And Peter says it'll also never spoil. And the idea behind this word is that our inheritance will never be defiled. Our salvation will never be sullied. It'll never be stained by sin or death. It'll always be pure in God's sight. And it'll also never fade. Here the idea is that our inheritance will never lose its wonderful, pristine character. Eternal life with God among us, with no sin, no sickness, no death. 
just God in his goodness and us to enjoy him forever and it'll never lose its shine. At the Men and Machines night that we held a little while ago, some gentlemen brought along their restored cars. Uh, there was a lovely 1960 Morris Minor there. It was in immaculate condition. It was beautifully restored. But that's the thing. These cars, this 1960 Morris Minor, had to be restored because it had faded. It's wonderful, pristine look. When it first came off the production line, it had gone. All cars lose their shine. They fade, they deteriorate, and it's always a really big job to get its glory days back again. But our inheritance, our salvation, it'll never lose its glory days. It'll never fade. The things of this world, they grow old, they grow weary, they decay, decay they die, but, but our inheritance isn't of this world. Have another look at verse 4. Verse 4, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. When you make a batch of cookies to give to someone, if you're in my house at least, you put them in a jar up high so that little thieving fingers and big thieving fingers don't steal them. Our inheritance can't be stolen. It's kept in heaven for us. It is untouchable. It is safe. It is certain. Now it's important to note who this eternal life is kept for. In 1 Peter, eternal life has been given to those who belong to the Lord Jesus. Elsewhere in this letter, Peter speaks of those who have been brought to God. Uh, he also speaks of those who have been bought by God at the price of the blood of Christ. They belong to him, and so they are those who gladly obey the Lord Jesus. God's people are those in 1 Peter who have entrusted themselves to God for this life and for the next. They're the ones that God has given eternal life. Now, are you one of those people? Have you entrusted yourself to God for this life and for the next? Honestly. Because if not, then this untouchable, certain future of eternal life is not yours. At least not yet. Because you can entrust yourself to God today. And he will give you eternal life. And if that's something that you know that's not true for you, then why don't you come and talk to me over morning tea? That would be a, the best thing you could possibly do on Easter Sunday. But look, for now, for those of us who do belong to Christ, our eternal life is certain. It's completely out of harm's way. It's kept in heaven. It is untouchable. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's all very well and good, but what good is it if my inheritance is guaranteed to be safe, but I'm not? Perhaps a little like putting all my money into the safest super fund guaranteed to be there as much as possible for when I retire. But what if I die before then? What use is the safest investment if I don't make it to receive it? So look, God, it, it's great that you've got this salvation guaranteed. It's pristine. It's out of harm's way. It won't decay or die. But what about me? I am decaying. I am dying. I'm not out of harm's way. 
Certainly Peter's original readers would have felt like this. From the rest of the letter we can tell that they were being sorely persecuted. Their existence was fragile. They didn't feel guaranteed or or secure, which makes verse 5 just marvellous. Because after speaking of the certainty of the eternal life that is to come, the salvation kept in heaven, Peter now speaks of God shielding his people so that they're certain of receiving it. Have a look at the end of verse 4. End of verse 4. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. By the very power of God, God's people are being shielded until the coming of their salvation. The day is coming when Christ will return with our salvation and until that glorious day, God is shielding his people. Right now, God is giving his people what they need to take one day at a time so that they'll keep relying on Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, so that they'll keep sheltering in Jesus to escape the coming wrath of God, so that they will keep serving Christ as Lord one day at a time. God's protecting his people so that they'll continue in their faith until the coming of their salvation. He'll get his people there to enjoy eternal life. Which might just be the word from God that you need to hear right now. Perhaps you're sitting there unsure if you've got what it takes to hang in there as a Christian. Christian life is a hard slog and you're getting tired. Maybe you're even faltering stumbling the burdens you carry they don't just feel like they're weighing you down it feels like they're crushing you and at times maybe even you cry yourself to sleep wondering if you're really christian will you be there will you make it for when jesus comes back what we're reading here is that god protects his people he gives his people everything they need to stay christian if you're one of his he'll get you there for certain to receive your certain inheritance and just take a bit of a step back a bit what we've seen so far christ's resurrection god has given us a certain future it's a living hope it's an eternal life now what we see from verse six on is that with christ's resurrection changing our future by giving us this eternal life christ's resurrection also changes our present Because in the present, we face troubles and trials of many kinds. There are lots and lots of things that go wrong in this life, but Christ's resurrection gives us a radical new perspective on life, an unworldly way of coping with the troubles of life, because we can now have even joy in our trials. We'll pick it up in verse 6. Have a look there, verse 6. In this... That is, in our coming salvation, from verse 5, in this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See, now, in the present, for a little while, we suffer trials. Even amongst us here this morning, we have brothers and sisters who are going through or who have gone through poor health, misunderstanding, persecution, Abuse, injustice, tragedy. Now, when your average Joe has these things happen to them, to him, how, how does he react? Your average person down the street, maybe he reacts with anger, resentment, abuse, 
revenge, self-pity, avoidance. How about joy? Because in verse 6, as those who have Christ's eternal salvation coming, we can rejoice even through our trials. Now, it's not joy at suffering some tragedy. It's not gladness at being picked on yet again for being a Christian. Now, look again, verse 6, and see what we rejoice in. Verse 6, it is in this. It's our coming salvation from verse 5. In this you greatly rejoice. I can lose my house. I can lose my money, I can lose my job, I can lose my health, I can lose my friends, I can lose my family, I can lose my life. But I can't lose the salvation that's ready to be revealed. Christ already won it through his resurrection from the dead. God's already given it. It is untouchable, kept safe for us in heaven. And so no matter what happens in this life, we can still rejoice. Now, the Apostle Peter isn't saying that our troubles in this life are a nothing. He calls them trials for a reason. He knows that life can be excruciating. The Bible's upfront about the reality of living in this world. But God also says that our troubles are not the end. They will come and they will go at the coming of our salvation. And no matter how deep the pain of our troubles, the height of the wonder of eternal life is far greater. And our troubles are temporary, real but temporary. Eternal life, it's eternal. And so in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our hurt, we rejoice in the salvation that's ready to be revealed. Now this is a radical new way of looking at life. Christ's resurrection dramatically changes our present. Christ has got eternal life in store. So when trouble comes, we don't have to descend into self-pity. And we're spared from grumbling and complaining about our trials. We should listen to ourselves as we speak. And if we find ourselves regularly complaining about our troubles, then I wonder whether we've lost sight of our hope of eternal life. Instead, we're to be the people who rejoice in the salvation that will most certainly come. And it's not just that God is going to get us through the hard times. It's that he's so powerful that he'll even use our troubles to make sure that we reach the goal of our inheritance. He uses our trials to strengthen our faith in Christ. Have a look at verse 7. Verse 7. These have come, that's the trials... The trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. At the moment, gold is selling for roughly $1,300 an ounce. Might sell my ring. Uh, that's $45 a gram for those who like the new scale. $45,000 a kilo. And Peter says, our refined faith is worth far greater than refined gold. And it's for two reasons. First, refined gold still perishes, whereas our refined faith will last forever. And secondly, refined gold will only result in $45,000 a kilo. 
Whereas refined faith, faith in Christ that has endured until the end, it will result in praise and glory and honour for the Lord Jesus Christ when he's revealed. And please notice here that it's not our health that's worth more than gold. It's not our happiness, not our family, not even our own lives, but it's our faith in Christ that's of more worth than gold. It's our faith in Christ that needs to be proved genuine because it's our trust in the Lord Jesus that needs to last because it's the Lord Jesus who will take us safely home and give us eternal life, our inheritance. And so no matter what comes our way, no matter what troubles or hurts or disappointments, our faith, our faith will be in the Lord Jesus, won't it? We know Christ. We love him. We believe in him. We rejoice in him. Our joy is in Jesus because he's saving us and he's taking us home even through the trials. Have a look, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The goal of our faith is our salvation. Like the goal of an engagement is a marriage. Like the goal of cooking is to eat. Like the goal of packing up is to be tidy. The goal of our faith is our salvation. Our salvation, which we've seen, is certain. It's been given to us by God. It's come to us already through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so eternal life is ours. Nothing and no one can trust it and so touch it. So we trust Jesus. Our faith's in him, the one that we know, the one that we love, the one that we believe in, the one that we rejoice in. Our faith is in Christ. Our joy is in Jesus for we're receiving our salvation. The day Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it's a day that has changed every other day since. It has permanently changed our future and it has radically changed our present. And so this morning, as we walk out into next week, let's look to Jesus. Let's see him risen from the dead, sitting on his throne in heaven, King of kings, Lord of lords, with his eternal salvation in his hands, securely holding our inheritance, the eternal life that he shares with his beloved people. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus, rejoice. Rejoice in him who died for you. Praise the one who rose from the dead for you. Rejoice in the salvation that he has secured for you. Delight in Jesus despite your trials and your troubles. Look forward to the coming salvation. It is ready to be revealed just like Jesus is. Our salvation, it's in the wings. It's ready to be delivered. And so today, every day, Let's have our praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because through the resurrection of him from the dead, you have given us new birth into a living hope into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade and you have it kept in heaven for us. You are shielding us by your very power and so we long for Christ to be revealed, for him to bring our salvation with him. We believe in him, we long for him, we love him 
We rejoice in Jesus. Father, we pray that our faith will be proved genuine and that on the day Jesus returns, our faith will result in his praise and in his glory and in his honour as he so richly deserves. Do that great work in us, please. Amen.